welcome all of you over in the venue and really grateful for the team that serves over there and the worship over there. Thank you. And um, if you're listening on the radio, we're glad you're listening. Maybe you're watching online. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that watch online. In fact, I got home last night and had a conversation on my Facebook page, my little private messaging page with three people, one from Australia, uh, one from South Africa, and uh, one from the UK. And I was reminded that uh, this is being broadcast literally all over the world, and so I'm glad you're, you're, you're with us. If you have a Bible, you can turn to um, Genesis chapter two, and if you don't have a Bible, it's in your notes, it'll be on the jumbotrons. But before I get there, uh, I took a picture last night and posted it on my Facebook page of our, our wall out there, Jesus Saves Wall, and um, I'll tell you a great story. I, I was out there last night, I got here early, and I'm praying. Okay, I'm just praying for all of the names that are on that wall. And uh, children were down here playing. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people get here early and get the room set up. And so these kids are running around and laughing and having a great time. And this kid comes running around the corner and doesn't see me and kind of runs into me. And he stops and he looks up and he goes, you're that loud guy with the big medallion. <laughs> and I said, that's right. I am the loud guy with the big medallion. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, hey, that wall out there is really for all of us, and what we're asking you to do is just write the name of uh, somebody, uh, maybe a family member, someone you play golf with, someone who, you know, I don't know, maybe the person that cuts your hair, cleans your pool, somebody you play golf with, you know, someone's in your foursome who doesn't know the Lord. And then you just simply roll this up, and you stick it in the, one of the little slots there, and we're gonna leave that wall up for a long time. We're just gonna start praying for people. And uh, last week, the staff, I brought the staff over here and we gathered in front of that wall and, and spent some time praying. I saw a lot of you last night, today, there praying. And so we want all of you to t take advantage of that, okay? Well, we're starting a, a brand new series here today called uh, People and Passages, where each weekend I'm gonna look at the life of some biblical person or persons that, that I believe that every Christian should, should know about. I think you ought to know about all the people that are in here, but um, that'd be a long, long series. Um, today we're gonna, we're gonna look at the life of two people, Adam and Eve, and then we're also gonna look at some important passage in the Bible that I think that every Christian ought to know and, and understand. Now last year on my Facebook page, I asked you to share with me a verse that you thought every Christian should know and understand, and I literally got and I don't know, four or five, six hundred uh, responses. And um, I want you to know that many of those passages that you shared with me are, are going to be in this series, including um, today's. So with this said, let's just jump right in and begin to look at our person or persons uh, for the day. Now, now here's the thing. Um, I know there's, you know, a thousand people in here and whatever, and I want you to... Just take a deep breath a little bit. And imagine we're just sitting in a living room, maybe we're sitting across your coffee table or something, and all we're gonna do is just look at the Word of God together. We're just gonna study the Word together. And I don't care whether you fill in all the blanks or not. If you do, great. If you don't, that's okay. But I, I think it's really important that you know and understand who these people are, these brothers and sisters of ours um, that are with the Lord now. 
And I just want everybody to relax and just enjoy this time. It's important that you know who these people are. And we'll not only just know a little bit about them, but I'll kind of make some comments about them, things that we might be able to learn from their lives. Genesis 2, verse 15 says, the Lord placed the man, okay, that's Adam, in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man, once again that's Adam, to fall into a deep sleep. And while Adam slept, the Lord God took out of one of Adam's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, that's Eve, and he brought her to the man. At last, Adam exclaimed, this is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. That's marriage. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Now right out of the, the gate, I want you to know that I believe that this is a real story. I believe that this is a, a historical account of how the world began or how human life began. In other words, I don't think that this is a, a mythological story. I think this is exactly how the world began. And because I believe this, my worldview is shaped by it. When I wake up every morning and I go about life, how I go about life really is based upon these words right here. And I'm gonna talk more about that a little bit later. So with this said, let, let me take a, a moment and just make some obvious statements or observations about Adam and Eve. And, and as I said, for the most part, they're obvious. But my guess is that most of us haven't spent much time thinking about them. It's, um, it's easy to read Genesis chapters one and two, and, and your homework assignment this week is to read Genesis one, two, and three. Maybe read it every day. They're really fascinating, and they're very easy to read. And in my humble opinion, if you don't understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3, then the rest of the book doesn't really make any sense. You have to understand Genesis 1, 2, and 3 for the rest of the book to make any sense. So I want to challenge you this week. Just stop what you're doing. It could be your lunch hour. It could be the morning when you're drinking your coffee. It could be at night before you go to bed. And just stop. Pray and enjoy reading the Word of God. Just read chapters one, two, and, and three. So, so here we go, N number one, first thing I wanna bring out is this, Adam and Eve were the first human beings, okay? That's obvious, right? Adam was the first man ever created. In fact, he was the, the first human that was ever created. And I don't know whether you've ever stopped and thought about the fact that there was a moment in history when Adam was the only person on the planet. It was just him. 
I can tell you, before I really began putting this series together, I hadn't really thought about that for a long time. You know, I just, I just enjoyed thinking about how that must have been, what plant life must have looked like. You know, what, 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 a, what an apple must have looked like, what a cherry must have looked like, what a Gerber daisy must have looked like, what a fern must have looked like. Just, just the, 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 the images that came to my mind were unbelievable. There was a moment when, you know, Eve was then created, and, and they were the, the only two human beings on the, 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 the planet. Now, not only are they the first human beings ever created, but, but they were made different than everything else. The Bible tells us that they were made in God's image. Genesis chapter 1 goes on and says, let us make human beings in our image. And that word us right there is a picture of the Godhead. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's the us there. It's the first place where we really see the Trinity, the concept of the Trinity being laid out for us in Scripture. In the very first book of the Bible, the 26th verse of, of the first book of the Bible, the Bible says that human beings were made in the image and in the likeness of God. We as human beings are, 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 are made differently than everything else. It's what makes us unique. It's what sets human life apart from all other life. It's, it's called the sanctity of human life. You see, God created everything, but humans were created differently. They were created in God's image. And I talk about this all the time because it's super important that all of you understand this. You see, I know that... Um, the world that we live in has spent billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars teaching you and your children and your grandchildren that they're nothing but a happenstance of nature. Two molecules bumped into each other, I don't know, a billion years ago, right? There was some gaseous nishish nooshishness. And, and, and something popped its head up, and here we are today. We're just educated goo. That's what the world teaches. That you're just a little higher up the evolutionary chain than a, an orangutan. And is it any wonder why we have a generation of people that are living like animals? Because we've taught them that that's all they are, are animals. Yet the word of God is crystal clear. No, you're not an animal. God created all the animals, but you are special. You're unique. You were made in the very image of God. It's what gives your life incredible value. And unfortunately, there are too many people, too many believers who don't really understand that. I talk about it all the time because I think it's, it's important. When you build your, your life, your worldview on that truth, it, it matters. When you look out and you see somebody else, regardless of the color of their skin, and you go, that person was made in the very image of God, it matters. Genesis chapter 2 gives us a little more detail about this. It says this, Then the Lord God took dust from the ground and formed a man from it, he breathed the breath of life into a man's nose and the man became a living being. Isn't that a beautiful picture? That, that here, here was God and, and, and uh, you know, he creates everything, you know, and, and there they all are. There's a porcupine running around, there's a zebra or whatever and a hawk 
And then he, he gets to man and, and there's this idea that he's in the ground and, and you see him forming his legs and his body. And then he does something unbelievable. It's so intimate. It says that he leans over and he breathes into his nose. The breath of life. Ever thought about that? The Bible doesn't say he did that with a, you know, with a seal or a whale or a beetle. But he did that with us. This beautiful moment, this beautiful scene of God breathing into this pile of dirt, if you will, the breath of life. Beloved, you need to understand something really important. Your value, value isn't in your physical components. Your value isn't in this or the fact that you've got a kidney or a spleen or tonsils or whatever. There's some value to that, especially if someone's you know, looking for a kidney to be transplanted. But Paul said, there's no good that dwells in my flesh. Nothing. The flesh is going to die someday. They're going to put it in a pine box. It's going to be buried six, eight feet under the ground, and that's it. They're, the value of life isn't this. The value of life is the fact that God breathed into your body life, a soul, if you will. That's what makes human life so valuable. It's this incredible picture that we see in in, in, in Genesis chapter seven. Beloved, in other words, you as a human being are way more than just material. Skin, you know, cells or whatever. You have God's life, breath within you. Job said it like this in Job chapter 33. He said, for the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty is what gives me life. It's what makes our life so valuable is the fact that somehow, someway, God breathed this unbelievable life into us. And when you know this truth, it helps you better understand what James said in James chapter one. And we, James says, out of all of creation, out of zebras and, and seals and whales and dolphins and hawks and finches and, and, and platypuses and beavers, we, out of all the things that God has created, became his prized possession. We're it. Human life is it. And obviously, then it makes sense when you think about the cross that the Godhead, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, that the Father would send his Son here to die for us. Because we're his most prized possession. The Father doesn't send the Son to die for a porcupine. The Father doesn't send the Son to die for a worm or an ant or a beetle. He created all of those things, but they're not his prized possession us. It's human life. So Adam and Eve were the first humans ever created. N number two, Adam and Eve were the first married couple. Okay. Now I'm not going to go through all the firsts here. I could spend a lifetime going through all the firsts, but I, I picked out a few. Okay. Think about this. Adam was the very first husband there ever was. And Eve was the very first wife. There was, 
there's this moment when they're, 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 the, they're the first couple, if you will, you know. And it's kind of fun to think about it. Now, let, let me tell you why I think this is so important to ponder. Why it's so important to meditate on, on this, this truth that we find in Scripture. It's important because it was through their relationship that God was showing us, all of humanity, if you will, exactly what marriage is. The coming together of one man and, and one woman. Once again, Genesis chapter 1 says, So a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one body. Beloved, this is God's design for marriage. When he created the world, he laid out the blueprint for marriage. One man, one woman. And then, you know, by the way, when God destroyed the world, you know, with, with you know, Noah and the ark, that whole story, once again, when he started the human race over again, God laid out the blueprint for marriage. One man, one woman. Noah and his wife, their boys and their wives. Now, a lot of people will say to me, Pastor Rick, why didn't Jesus say anything about what marriage is or what marriage isn't? And the answer is he did. Jesus did talk about what, what marriage is. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19. Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures? What's, what's Jesus talking about there? What scriptures? Well, he's referring back to Genesis chapter 2, what we just read. He's saying, hey, religious guys, hey, those of you that are supposed to understand the Bible, haven't you ever read what God said? He's referring them back to the scriptures. Haven't you ever read, guys? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's what is said in Genesis chapter 2. So Jesus weighs in on what marriage is. He simply says marriage is exactly what it was intended to be when, my, when God created Adam and Eve, you see? He doesn't need to add anything to that. It's crystal clear what marriage, what marriage is. God even made the, the man's body parts to fit together with the woman's body parts, and they have a purpose for fitting together. You know, you know if you've got a half a cell working, you look at a guy's body, and you look at a girl's body, you go, huh, that's just amazing how they fit together. God kind of knows what he's doing, doesn't he? So Adam and Eve were the first humans ever created, and they were the first people to ever be married. Now, when you get to number three, this is kind of what they're most famous for. Um, Adam and Eve were the first persons to ever disobey God. They were the first people to ever sin. And because of what I'm about ready to read, it's impacted all of our lives, all of us. 
Genesis chapter three says the serpent, that's the devil, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day the devil asked the woman, that's Eve, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any trees in the garden? Of course we may eat you know, fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. You won't die, the devil replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and that its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her, and he ate it too. You don't get those six verses, folks, and the rest of the Bible doesn't make any sense. You gotta understand what's happening right there. See, when you look at the life of Adam and Eve, you get a glimpse of what God had originally intended for us as human beings. God wanted us as human beings to live in a perfect environment. God wanted us as human beings to live in perfect health and in perfect peace. God wanted us as human beings to have a perfect relationship with him. But unfortunately, they sinned. They disobeyed God and that changed everything. Romans chapter five says when Adam sinned, when Adam ate that piece of fruit, whatever it was, sin entered into the world. Beloved, at the very moment Adam made the choice to take that piece of fruit from Eve and eat it, when he disobeyed God, when he sinned against God, everything changed. It messed up everything. Sin ruined everything. Because of sin, we as human beings would no longer live in a perfect environment. Because of sin, we as human beings would no longer live in, in perfect health or perfect peace. Because of sin, we as human beings would no longer have a perfect relationship with God. In fact, we wouldn't have any relationship with God whatsoever. The great prophet Isaiah said, it's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and he won't listen to, to you anymore. Look, sin had so impacted my life that for a, 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 you know, the beginning part of my life, I didn't even believe in him. That's how much sin had impacted my life. I didn't even believe in God. Some of you are here right now, maybe you're over in the venue, you're watching online, listening on the radio. Sin has so impacted your life, you don't believe in God. That's, the, that's how, how powerful and how crummy sin is, is that it actually can get you to a point to where you don't even believe in the God who created you. I didn't believe in him. Sin broke the beautiful relationship that Adam and Eve had with God, and it's done the, the same to every human being that's come after Adam and Eve. Romans chapter three says, for everyone has sinned. Everyone. It's one of the things we all have in common in this room. Look around, look around over in the venue. If you're watching online, I don't know, look at the person sitting next to you. If you're driving in your car right now, listening to this on the radio, look, look at the other drivers. The one thing we all have in common is because of Adam and Eve, all of us are in the same boat. We're all sinful people. 
All of us. If, if, if you come to our Christmas gatherings here or Easter gatherings here, I, I always have the same message, basically. And I always begin with sin and how crummy sin is. And some of you just can't stand that. You, you send me emails, I brought my friend to Christmas, and the next thing I know, you're talking about sin. You know. Let me tell you why I have to do that. Because if you don't understand the, the bad news, if you don't understand sin and how crummy it is and what it's done to our lives and, and done to our relationship with God and all that, then, then who needs the good news? The good news really doesn't matter. You see, a lot of people have good lives, right? Man, they got beautiful homes, maybe two homes, maybe three homes, cars, all filling their four or five garages and got all kinds of food stock in their shelves, got a lot of money in their 401ks, they own their own business. You got a good life, man. Why do I need Christ? Why do I need Jesus? It's not about it all the stuff you have, it's about sin. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, how many cars you own, how many homes you have, how much money you got in your 401k. Sin has impacted all of us. And you have to understand that piece of it if you really want to have a, an understanding of Luke chapter two. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He's Christ the Lord. You see, here's the deal. We're all doomed because of our sin, but God doesn't leave us as human beings without any hope. You see, after Genesis chapter three, God promises that he was gonna deal with the problem. He was gonna send a savior. He was gonna send a Messiah. Now, they didn't know who it was in the Old Testament. He just promised, I, I, I love you and I care about you. You're made in my image. I have breathed into you the breath of life and I am a God of love and mercy and compassion and I am gonna send you a savior. If you don't understand what God intended, if you don't understand Genesis three and sin, well then the rest of the Bible, well, so what's the, what's the savior all about? That's why Genesis one, two, and three and your understanding of it is so important as a follower of Christ. Matthew 1 says, she, Mary, will give birth to a son and you're to give him, give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. See, God knew it was our sin that had messed us up. And we can trace that all the way back to the very first human beings ever created, Adam and Eve. You see, we as believers have an answer to the question of evil. Now, the world may not like our answer, but we can answer it. Why is there evil? There's evil because of Genesis chapter three. There's, there's heartache and sorrow and death and, and, and you know, tornadoes and tsunamis. There's all this death and destruction because of Genesis chapter three. I can explain evil to people. Like I said, a lot of people don't like my answer. They may not like your answer but at least we have one. And you need to understand that, you see. And it's, that's why it's important to understand the story of, of Adam and Eve. Look, not only were Adam and Eve the, the first humans ever created, they were the first people to be married and they were the first people to ever sin. 
And it's important to understand that as a follower of Jesus. Now, obviously, I could have talked about a lot of things like Adam and Eve being the first parents and all that kind of stuff, but, but I want to shift gears here j- just for a, a minute. I want to talk just about Adam for a moment, the very first human being ever created, and that is this. The first thing I want to bring out is Adam was the first person to ever have a Bible study. Okay, this, is, this was kind of fascinating to me as I was unpacking this. Genesis chapter two, the Lord placed the man, that's Adam, remember? In the garden of Eden to tend it and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of the tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of its fruit, you're sure to die. Here's this moment when Adam's in the garden and I don't know if he's sitting on a rock or a stump or something and there's God. And God is teaching him his word. There's a Bible study going on. Now, Adam had the greatest teacher ever. It was God himself. And God is telling Adam, here's my word, Adam. Here's my command, Adam. Here's what I want you to do with your life, Adam. Here's what I want you to stay away from, Adam. It's the very first recorded Bible study ever between God and, and Adam. I want you to Notice something very important. Eve hasn't been created yet. God is entrusting the man, Adam, with his word or his command. God could have waited until, you know, he created Eve and then just told the both of them what his command was, but he didn't. He entrusted his word with Adam, the man. He entrusted Adam to share God's word with the woman, Eve. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a moment. But my main point here is the fact that Adam was the first person to ever have studied the Bible. Uh, Adam actually heard the voice of God. And let me just tell you what I, what I was doing in my office. I had my this little swivel chair, and I can kind of look out over the campus. And, and I was just thinking about that. Wow. How neat that must have been. You're you're the first person ever created. There you are. And God himself is teaching you his word. He's having this unbelievable Bible study, hearing the word of God. And I I was just imagining this in my mind, and and I kind of swiveled in my chair, and as I turned around, there was my Bible open on my desk right there, And it was as if the Lord was saying, yeah, I've left you my word. You're no different than Adam. In fact, as I thought about it, I'm better off than Adam. Adam got one little verse. I I got a whole bunch of things God has shared. And as cool as it must have been, and there's no doubt that that would have been cool to have God himself sharing the word, you know, with with Adam. Beloved, any given moment, you can open this, and just like Adam, you can hear from God. Any moment. This is God's word right here. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter All scripture is inspired by God. It's God breathed, which makes the next 49 words a no-brainer. Because it's God breathed, it's God inspired, it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, the word of God, to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. 
Look, every time you open your Bible and read it, it's just like you were Adam in the garden. And that's no joke. It's just like it. There really isn't any difference because this is God's word. God is speaking to you through this, you see? And just like Adam in the garden, you have a choice to make as to whether or not you're going to obey it. And just like Adam in the garden, there's a consequence if you make the choice not to obey it. We're just like Adam. We can hear God's word. And by the way, it's easy to listen to truth. It's easy to sit here and hear the word of God. It's easy to listen to a podcast of your favorite preacher. Uh, it's easy to go to a Bible study. It's easy to listen to truth. Easy. It's, that, doesn't, that doesn't take much effort. The hard part is to go, okay, I've heard from you, God. Now am I going to do it? Or not. And if you make the choice not to do it, just like Adam, there's a consequence. You're going to reap what you sow. You may not reap it that day. It may not be that week. It may not be that month. It may not be that year. It may not even be that decade. But you will reap what you sow. Adam did. God said, Adam, you eat from that tree, you're going to die. And he did. Now, it took 930 years, but he died. God, God kept his word. He died physically 930 years later. And one of the things you see in that moment is the grace of God because what God could have done is gone, I've had it with you two. I'm done with you. You disobeyed me. I gave you one thing, one thing, and you fumbled that one. I, I'm through. But God doesn't do that, does he? because he's a God of grace, he's a God of love, he's a God of mercy, he's a God of compassion. You were made in his image, and so guess what? God doesn't kill him right there on the spot, he could have. He poured out his grace and mercy on his life for 930 years. Uh, number two, the second thing I wanna bring out about the, the, the life of Adam is this. Adam was the first person to ever share God's word with another person. I'm going to take you back to Genesis 3. Once again, the, the serpent, the devil, was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from uh, fruit from the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the fruit from the trees of the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. How did, how did Eve know that? Adam had to tell her. There had to be a moment when Adam said, hey, uh, sweetheart, come here. Hey, babe, come here, whatever the name was. <laughs> By the way, I thought a lot about that. I don't know why. <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe it's because it was Valentine's Day. I wondered, you know, what was their little schnoogy things they would say to each other? I, you know, I, I, I got to believe he had something or whatever. I don't know. But there had to be a moment when he said, hey, look, here's your little sweetheart. I had a Bible study with God, and he said, man, it's all ours. We can enjoy it all. But he did say not to eat from that tree right there, okay? There had to be a moment when the man shared what God had taught him with his wife. Now, let me, let me just say this. I think this is God's design for the church. 
When the church gathers like we are right now, I think God wants men to be the primary teachers of his word, which is why here at Big Valley Grace, men are the ones who teach up front. I think once again, like we see the pattern for marriage, we see the pattern for how it ought to be when the church gathers. Now, do we have women teachers? Absolutely. In fact, we have some just unbelievable women who can teach God's truth here at Big Valley Grace. But the primary teachers are men. The teachers who gather in an assembly like this are men. Now, I want you to listen to what 1 Timothy chapter 2 says. God's word says women should learn quietly and submissively. And I want to stop right there for a second. When that was written in the first century, that was a radical statement. Really radical, let me tell you why. In the first century, women didn't learn. The men learned. Women weren't allowed to go and, and, and use their minds and educate their minds. And here's God's word saying, no, 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 no. Ladies, you're made in the very image of God. You're my prized possession. I gave you a brain. I want you to learn. That, that was a radical statement. God says, learn, ladies. Learn. God wants men to learn. He wants ladies to learn. He says, I don't let a woman teach men or have authority over men. And Paul is talking about the church. What happens in the church. He's saying, I, I, I want women, when the church gathers in an assembly like this, you, you, you listen quietly. And by the way, he wants men to listen quietly too. He doesn't want there to be a bunch of distractions and disruptions, you know, and all kind of stuff when God's word's being preached. For God made Adam first. We read that already, remember? Because he made him first, God entrusted his word to Adam first, and then he made Eve. And then it says, and it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived and then sin was the result. Now, I don't want you to make more out of this verse than you ought to. This is simply talking about the church, what happens here at the church. If you're a guy and you work down at Taco Bell and the manager there is a woman, God doesn't care whether you are taught some things from that woman about how to make a you know, a burrito or, you know, whatever the deal is. God doesn't have any problem with women being managers of stores or being the CEO of corporations or owning a company. He's simply talking about the church in this verse. When the church gathers, look, <laughs> I, I, I've had a lot of really unbelievably godly women in my life. Um, thinking of like Nancy Barron's and People like that. Nancy has taught me many, many things. I've sat in her office when she was on our staff, and man, did she teach me some things. Been to her home and taught some, you know, learned from her. But it wasn't in this context. I've learned some things from my wife. She's way smarter than I am. Way more godly than I am, trust me on that. Some of you are going, well, we know you, that's true. I know, I'm just, I'm just stating fact here. And there have been many times, wow, when my wife and I have been talking and whoa, man, her insight into something was unbelievable and I learned from her. This passage is simply talking about the church when it gathers. And in my humble opinion, when the church gathers, 
It's the men who are to be the primary teachers in an assembly uh, like, like this. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says, this is a trustworthy statement. If someone aspires to be an elder, he desires an honorable position. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife if he's married. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not loving money. He must manage his own family well, having children uh, who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of the church of God? You see, here at Big Valley Grace, we have elders, and the elders are men because it's pretty clear that the men are to be the leaders of the church. Now, we have some great women here that, that are leaders, but the primary leaders here at the church are men. In fact, let me just tell you, I, I joke around about this, but it's really not a joke. If all the guys here at the church and all the pastors and everybody, I don't know, we got in a bus and the bus crashed and we all died, church was going to keep running fine. If all the gals that are leaders in the church, if they got in a bus and went shopping and the bus crashed, <laughs> we're in trouble. You know, this thing's going to be a bloody mess for a while. Beloved, please don't take more out of the, what I've just said than you need to. We're all equal in God's eyes. Obviously, women, you have a role to play in life. You get to have babies, right? I can't have a baby. That didn't mean God likes you more than me. But what an incredible blessing that you get to feel a baby move around and kick and, and you know, do whatever they do. And, and you know, I, I don't get to do that. I have a different role in the church. You have a different role in the church. But we're all equal in God's eyes. I did want to spend some time right here, maybe th this was the one that really stuck out to me. Number three, Adam was the first husband to neglect his duty to be the leader of his home. In Genesis 3, you won't die, the serpent told Eve. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Now you can get this idea that when this all happened, you know, uh, Adam was out picking berries somewhere and Eve was, you know, being deceived. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that Adam was standing right there this whole thing's happening right in front of Adam. It's the first recorded place where there's lack of male leadership going on. You see, while this was going on, Adam should have gone, um, hold on a second, let me get my notes. I filled in a blank. When God and I had that Bible study, I filled in a blank. Yeah, it says right here, we're not supposed to eat, Eve. So this is what I'd like for you to do, Eve. Why don't you go inside the house while I make a pair of boots and a belt out of that dirty, rotten serpent. Hey, you know, he, but here he is. <laughs> do whatever you want. I, I don't want to get on your bad side, you know. I just, I just, it's really pathetic because you know what? Not a lot has changed, unfortunately. 
I think there's too many Christian men who just pull an atom. And we see all this junk happening in our homes and our families and our lives, all this sinful junk and crud and stuff, and we just let it happen, you know? Well, you know, it's the world we live in. It's kind of the world we live in, right? I wonder how many believers will go watch that pornographic movie that just came out, Fifty Shades of Grey. What kind of movies do you allow into your home? What kind of things do you allow your kids to get involved in? I want you to know something. As I read that this week, I've been reading it for a while, but it really started boring down on it this week. I just said, hey God, you know, reveal to me, will you, some of the things in my home that I know your word. I, I know your word, yeah, I know it. Are there some things, God, that I've just allowed to happen? Am I pulling an atom in some areas of my life? And there were, there were a number of places, scriptures that God brought to my memory that I knew. And I went, wow, you're right. Why do I let that happen in my own life, in my family's life, my kids' life? Now, here, here's what I want to do. I want to look at our passage for the weekend really quickly. And our passage is Genesis 1-1, and it just so happens that they kind of go together. This won't necessarily be the case next week or, or whatever, but Genesis 1-1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I want us all to say that out loud. Okay, here we go, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let's do it one more time, here we go. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now I've told you over and over again, I think that those 10 words right there are probably the most important 10 words you're gonna find in the Bible. It's the very first sentence in the Bible, and here's why those are the most important words in the Bible, that in the beginning, God created. If you can't get past those first 10 words, <laughs> then the rest of it ain't gonna make any sense, right? If you can't get past those first 10 words, then the rest of this doesn't make any sense. You see, the Bible says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's because of those 10 words, it's those 10 words that make the foundation of my worldview. It's how I see everything. It's the lens by which I see everything through. That in the beginning, God created heavens, the earth, all those kinds of things. God's the one that created the, all the stars that are in the sky. He's the one that created all the fish that are in the sea or the plants that grow on the earth. God's the one that's created the birds that fly in the air. God's the one who created all the bugs that crawl on the ground. God's the one who created all the animals that roam on the earth. Now I want you to know, if you believe in, in these 10 words, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, I want you to know the world is gonna ridicule you. The world's gonna make fun of you. When, when these 10 words define your worldview, you need to buckle your seatbelt because the world will mock you for it. Now, I wanna just do something here quickly. I got this pencil right here, okay? 
I want to give you a chance. I'll give you a chance over in the venue. Uh, you're gonna, I'm going to give you a chance to share your opinion, and you'll share your opinion by simply standing up. I'm going to give you a chance to talk, but you can share your opinion by, by standing up. If you're here and you believe, and, and some of you have to believe this, that this pencil, given enough time, I don't say a billion years, or two billion, I'll give you three billion. If you believe that this pencil, given enough time, could put itself together, make itself, go ahead and stand up. And just by standing, you're saying, I do. I think that given enough time, this pencil could make itself. Okay, nobody. Uh, let's try this one, this lid right here. By the way, this pencil right here tells me who the maker is. Uh, this lid right here. Anybody want to be willing to, I, I, you can share your opinion simply by standing. I'm not going to give you a chance to talk, but you're going to express your opinion by saying, given enough time, a billion years, two billion years, ten, I'll give you 10 billion, that this lid could create itself. Okay. By the way, the manufacturer of this right here. <laughs> and now, now I got my, my famous illustration, right? The dreaded mousetrap. Okay, okay this mousetrap has three moving parts, okay? If you've never been here before, this, this is like my, my big one. This is my big illustration right here. You got the chiropractic neck snapper piece. You got the china, you know, where you put the food right there on the plate. You got the springy deal, boom, you know, that, that take care of the vertebrae action right there. Okay, you got big three, maybe four moving parts. That's what you got right there, okay? Now, anybody want to stand up and say, you know what, given enough time, a billion, two billion, five billion years, that that mousetrap could put itself together. Those three moving parts, those three could put itself to, to, together. Okay. And we know that this took some intelligence. A guy named Victor, the guy's a billionaire now, by the way, <laughs> probably a trillionaire. I made the guy at least 100 million, <laughs> just my, myself. I mean, think about this. There was a day he sees some rats scurvying around, he can't figure out how to get rid of them, and so he sat down, took some intelligence, and went, okay, if I, you know, what if I, you know, the thing, I put some cheese on the thing, and then the whoopee, hey, I'm, and the guy, I mean, this, this, this was a pretty smart deal. The guy, the guy had some, some brains who put this thing together, but obviously, even though it only has three moving parts, it, it, it had to have a maker, right? Hey, how about this one? How about this one here? <laughs> oh, man. This had to have a maker. No one's dumb enough to stand up and say, well, that, that could make itself. That obviously had to have a maker. No one's dumb enough to stand up and say that didn't have a maker. This thing's got three moving parts. And no one's dumb enough to stand up. Well, that, 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 that could have made itself. And yet we live in a country that'll tell you that's teaching our children. All that? Oh, yeah. That just happened over the course of a billion years. These molecules, see, they got together. And here we are today. And you know what's really crazy? A lot of people believe it. A lot of people with like PhDs, they believe that. So you can have a PhD and be an idiot. 
or you can be my kid's age, not even being junior high, and go, you know what? It's obvious that this took some intelligence to make. I wonder what kind of intelligence that must have taken. Central nervous system, circulatory system, just your eyeball, figure that one out. Spleens, kidneys, livers, heart, your brain, tonsils. Oh, they took mine out. That was back in the air where they took them out. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. So I always blame the fact that I don't have any tonsils on being weird. But I, uh, apparently God needed them for something. Else. In the beginning, God created. Christian, you never have to be embarrassed of those 10 words. It doesn't matter what the world teaches. The world just shows itself to be fools. You never have to be embarrassed of those first 10 words. I saw an interview uh, that was done, I think, a couple of days ago, one of the politicians out there, Scott Walker, who I, who I kind of like. He was being interviewed by a Dutch or a French news organization, and they asked him if he believed in evolution. And he claims to be a believer. I've never met him. I don't, I don't know anything about him. I don't need emails from you guys, okay? But um, I heard he was a believer. And he said, oh, hey, you know, uh, you see him kind of scrambling around in his chair. And he goes, oh, well, I'm going to punt on that one. And I thought, punt? What do you mean punt? And this um, commentator said, oh, well, we could get politicians on the left and politicians on the right. And obviously, they all believe in evolution. And I thought, well, you got a bunch of dumb lefties and righties. I mean, I, it, it, a lot of people believe in evolution. But then it was the, like an hour later or a day later, Governor Walker then sends a text out or a tweet out. And he knew he had fumbled. He knew he had dropped the ball. And he said, you know, I do believe in what the Bible says. I do believe in science. And what he needed to do was not be so afraid of those first 10 words. He just needed to say, absolutely, I believe that in the beginning God created Do I believe in science? Absolutely. Science just simply gets to explore and try to explain all that God has created. I'm somebody who's a, a big proponent of science. I'm not afraid of science. Science just simply gets to look at what God has already created and they try to figure it all out and you know all that kind of stuff. It's fascinating to me. And so here, here, here's your homework assignment. This week, I want you to enjoy some time in the Word of God. Just reading Genesis 1, 2, and 3. And it, like I said, it's an easy read, and every believer needs to know those first three chapters. You've got to know them. And then I want you to spend some time memorizing those ten words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Because I think that's a passage that every Christian needs to know and understand. 
And throughout the week, if you know, the weeks as God, if God doesn't come back, we're gonna spend some um, time looking at other characters. And, and I'll end with this. History doesn't begin with Genesis 1-1. Genesis 1-1 is simply when time began for the human race, okay? The Bible is crystal clear that God has been around longer than you know, when he created everything. Psalms 90 says, before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and, and the world from the beginning to end, you are God. Genesis 1-1 just tells us when earth, us, began. God has been around since the beginning. We don't even know what that means. Everybody stand up in here, over in the venue, stand. Father, thanks, Lord, for uh, a chance to be together. I, I've really enjoyed all weekend. I enjoyed last night, last hour, this hour. I'm thankful for all the servants here at Big Valley Grace that are working with our children and walking parking lots and helping us take seats and singing songs and playing instruments and, and, and technical guys running cameras and people that are in rooms praying. Lord, thank you for for all of them. I'm glad that we could come and bring our offerings to you and hear your word proclaimed. May we have a great week this week. Just thinking about Adam and Eve, the first two human beings. Someday we'll see them again. And may we enjoy meditating on your word, Genesis 1-1. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness to us. And I pray this in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, don't forget to sign up for the Share Your Faith conference right outside these doors, all right? Blessings.